You're listening to the Bank Marketing Blogcast, brought to you by Mavis Agency. Welcome to the Mavis Agency Blogcast, the discussion uh, version where we talk through one of the blogs that we've written. This one is Reason versus Rationale. Hopefully, before you listen to this part, you have read the blog or listened to it with our blogcast. Uh, we take every blog, if you didn't know this, and I don't know how you would be here if you didn't know this, and record it so you can listen to it on the way to work, while you're working out, whatever you might do to make it a little bit easier to consume our content. But this is where we take... Uh, the blog and discuss it with some of the Mabus Agency staff. Today we have Emma Geiger, our Director of Marketing, and Cameron Cummins, who is one of our newer employees, but is responsible for doing, is part of the dream team that does a lot of our social media. Just want to get their opinion, talk through some of these aspects, and maybe make the blog a little bit more absorbable for everyone. Reason versus rationale, we explore sort of decision-making process that humans go through and try to give a little bit of insight to banks. Basically, the TLDR version of the blog is humans make an emotional decision first, then backfill that emotional decision with logic. Spoiler alert, again, you should have read the blog before this. But banks tend to make decisions only on the second part, the logical part, and make or not make decisions, but make ads that would assume the decision is made on we're bigger, we're faster uh, on the facts, not the benefits or the emotional side. And what we're trying to assert is that banking is still emotional. Uh, I didn't put this in the blog, but there's a stat, I don't know who to cite, but it is someone else created this, not us, that more than half of Americans have cried, shed physical, literal tears about their finances at one point or another during their life. It Banking, uh, our finances are an emotional part of our life. Those of us who aren't concerned about money or whatever, it still is the fuel that drives what we do, the gas in the tank, so to speak. And again, I think what banks do is we're num- numbers, ROI, which are all important. Um, it has to balance, but that emotional hook in the beginning is important. And since it is so missed so often, it is an opportunity for banks to actually make ads that understand that humans may feel like they need to leave their current bank and look for another one or may feel disappointed or feel not taken care of. It's about feeling, not necessarily that first decision is much more about how I feel. So just from a graphic design, because I'm a graphic designer from that standpoint, I kind of read it as a lot of how important it is that a design have that emotional impact on advertising how many times have you been in a bookstore and bought a book just because the cover's cool? I think all wine is sold based on the label. Yes. Right, exactly. So I can um, attest to that. <laughs> I think I that, mean, if it, once you get into the genre of, of flavor, like yeah. a, you right. know, dryness versus sweetness, mm-hmm. and you know you're in the Pinot Grigio section, right. you're, you're probably it's probably down to <laughs> down to label mm-hmm. yeah. at that point. For sure. That kind of design that can provide that emotional element is what everybody's looking for. Mm. Yeah, and I think just understanding that that's the catalyst for people to start processing the facts and, you know, making that decision. Mm -hmm. 
is important too, just to know. Yeah, I think, again, when we get down to that decision, so one of the things I cited and we've cited before is a morning consult study, uh, ABA, American Bankers Association, released that that says only 1% of people are ever very disappointed in their bank and another 1% are disappointed. That was the measurement. So that's a, that's a feeling. Disappointment is a, is a feeling. No, it's, it's likely based in something logical. But again, what I see, and I guess I would ask you guys if you see the same thing, that that bank ads as advertising as a general rule doesn't feel very emotional. It feels very logical and institutional and convincing. Do you guys feel that way when you look at bank ads? For the most part, yeah. Yeah, and I'd say not just bank ads, but in general, the way that you interact with banks is is very logical. And I've, I'm only... 24 I've switched banks three times and every time it was because I wasn't happy with the service and you know people don't switch banks because they want something different it's because they're not happy I'm curious just Mm -hmm. since I I did not know that you had switched banks three times Mm -hmm. I think banks would assume and obviously that's our audience would assume that the question I would tell you that most banks would ask is what were your banking needs that you could even Mm -hmm. be disappointed at 24 like you deposit a check you you use your debit card do you mind sharing some of the disappointments or frustrations that, Mm -hmm. that caused you to leave I mean I think mainly it was a lack of understanding that I was a broke college student who didn't know how to manage his own finances. Mm -hmm. A lot of like me trying to figure things out without help from people who understand finances better than I do. And that's kind of just a a nutshell of... Well, I think this is what a mistake that banks fall Mm -hmm. into Mm -hmm. is one, the assumption that anyone knows what they're doing with, Mm -hmm. with money. Um, right. And again, if half, half, that's a, that's a pretty big slice of the pie there, especially when we're talking about statistics. It's Bobby, our producer extraordinaire, what, comparecards.com said seven in 10 Americans. Mm. I was, I was take the over, have cried. Is that, is that the, have wow. shed tears when, when surveyed. So 70% is an even bigger slice of the mm-hmm. pie. You know, we had a financial crisis that where, where, where people assume their bank mm-hmm. was lending them money that they could afford it. There's a lot of, responsibility, I guess, but then lack of, or, or looking at that at an audience homogeneously, not a lack of, actually looking at an audience homogeneously, assuming that they know about their own finances and how to balance a checkbook and things like that. Especially the younger generation who's going to, mm. you know, grow up and be the main part of their business. Yeah. Well, know? how the hell are you going right. to, if you, this is the thing I, I keep uh, asserting around financial literacy and not, not just the boxed things that are out there, but if schools aren't educating, and, and by schools, I mean primary, secondary, you can get a business degree and know nothing about taxes Personal, and, yeah. and business right. and personal finance. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you know, microeconomics stops at personal finance. There is no course out there. So whose responsibility is it to teach that and finding the balance of this person is depositing money um, there has to be some responsibility on the on on behalf of that party. It can't just be a abdication of responsibility, mm-hmm. but helping that person become a better client to you. So it can be selfish, you know, right. or, or ultimately self serving. I think it becomes trite that we don't really concentrate on that. It's about attracting new good clients. Well, who's making the new good clients? Well, maybe another bank, maybe their parents, hopefully. Um, but there's a dearth of resources in finding out how to live a good financial life. The best thing that ever happened to my 
Josh Mabus's finances is that I stepped away from them and let somebody else handle it. Right. <laughs> that, I, that I got to a position um, where I could do that and, and married somebody that, that takes care of all of that in a, in a good way. But it's just not my forte. Um, I can run a business, but I can spend money too. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone should marry an accountant. Everyone <laughs> find one accountant each. Pair off. Mm-hmm. Are you going to be the accountant yeah. or am I going to be the accountant? Right. No, I think that, and, and it is, it's, um, it, it's certainly a thing, but I mean, that there's a feeling, there's an emotion behind it. And then probably, a, you know, again, if tears are shed, whether you're a person that, that sheds tears very easily or very, with, with difficulty, it is, your money's not worth crying about when it really gets down to it, I would say, as a universal. It, it's a means to an end. It's, it shouldn't be emotional. But, it but I think for some people, is. yeah, for some people it is, you know. Some yeah. people, are, they're living paycheck to paycheck, and yeah. it really does matter, you Well, know? I mean, when you're thinking about losing your home or disappointing right. your family, yeah. or, I mean, yes. It's it, a lot on the table. It's, it's a lot on the table. It's more like the things that the money go to that's um, emotional than it is the money itself. Like food. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Water food. and shelter. Like, right. you know, the basic needs right. of mm-hmm. Basic physical needs, um, and then we get into Maslow's hierarchy of you know psychological needs uh-huh. that go around worth and self worth and value. Um, I saw a, a tweet on the tweeters that I didn't particularly agree with. They were talking about it, it was about the controversy around um, controversy, debate around minimum wage rate mm. rising, and it's you know we need the the tweet I'm paraphrasing was we need to move the conversation away from. No person should have to live, expect whatever to be their living wage, mm-hmm. and we should move it around away from our worth, our personal worth being around what we make. Now, I, while I agree with the sentiment, money is still needed, right? right. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it was like an I even can't, higher thing. I can't live my, off my of argument. personal worth. Yeah. yeah. Or, Someone or, who was rich wrote that, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, <laughs> or, would, or is comfortable. Uh, well, I would say someone who is very idealistic. It was it was yeah. it was at, it was taking the 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 minimum wage discussion on the progressive liberal side is is you're you're still like it's still not mm-hmm. progressive enough and I'm like we still do have to pay some bills. We do not live in a utopia where where we don't. Right. But it but again I don't think minimum wage plays into the psychology of your money being your worth. If I, mm-hmm. Again, if, if my family is, we look around at things like homelessness and, and you know, fighting that or whatever it may be. And I mean, it's just like anybody. We, we don't want to make dumb decisions. We don't want to be, you know, um, there, there's a, there's shame. There's mm-hmm. um, a lot that goes right. And, and look, we're talking about the negativity, but buying a new house is exciting and scary. And, you know, th- there are things where, where money is, positive as well. It gives us a, a set of positive emotions. But again, I think what, what's happened is banks have sort of eschewed that emotion has anything to do with money. Money is very quantitative. It's not qualitative. And mm-hmm. I think that is a, an incredibly huge missed opportunity. Again, at that juncture where we're switching banks, and, the, and we've talked about this in other um, blogcasts, podcasts, inside the office is building ads, not just building ads that understand emotion. Let's pick on Capital One for a second because they spend millions of dollars advertising Mr. Big Hands that tells you, you know, the five, whatever. I don't even know what he talks about, but it's cafes and it's all features. But, and it's very logical and it's, it's, it's unless you just, you know, like this guy and feel very comfortable in his big old hands. I don't know if you've noticed, like when he does the five things, like his, this guy's got like huge hands or maybe it's like a trick of the camera i don't know it's like holding up a 
fish closer to the camera when you catch it to make it look bigger. Forced perspective. Mm-hmm. But it's not about what experience you're going to get at Capital One that emotionally fulfills you. And and that's tough. I mean, it's hard to make a good ad, period, right? Just a good-looking, well-structured, well-paced. Making an ad on the technical basis is difficult. And these ads are technically excellent and because they cost a million dollars LA production to do. But there's no emotional hook that's like, hey, you're disappointed at your bank. We understand how you feel. And we're here to fulfill that need. You should move to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think at the core, it's all about understanding. You know, like Cameron, you were saying, you just felt like your bank didn't understand where you were in life. And, you know, that's kind of what it all boils down to. Yeah. And I think another big thing is that, especially in the internet age with targeted marketing, I I think it's a big thing where people are just kind of waiting for the permission to buy the thing that they've been wanting to buy for weeks. And then they see that one ad that they get because they visited the website one time and they're like, oh, now's the time. And I, I feel like that's something I haven't seen banks dive into is that kind of speaking to people that are maybe searching for something and saying now's the time. Or plugging into the process of mm-hmm. it that um, very seriously doubt unless you're just so pissed off that you just go right. pull your money out of, the, out of your bank and you're just sitting there holding whatever cash mm-hmm. you have and you're, all right, well, I've got to go put this into another bank so I can do bill pay or transact that it's a process mm-hmm. and and it's like probably any emotional relationship because i mean that's what banks talk about people in relationships and not all people in relationships even if you're good and good intentioned not every relationship works mm-hmm. it's normally a process when that breaks down and um, i mean i think that's one thing that, that bank websites are very transactional and very factually driven and, and do a very poor job of communicating any sort of value in the relationship. Banks say relationship a lot, but I mean... Or just individuals' motivations, like, you know, to take care of Mm -hmm. their family, to feel secure. If you're here to do this, then you need to consider this. Right. I mean, I think of it more of like a, I don't know, what's the um, eHarmony, whatever, the doctor that's, you know, we've got Mm -hmm. matches on these 14. It's very factual, right? Like, we're going to find the... The, the true love for you on a 14, or I don't know how many points mm-hmm. it is, match process. Right. I've never thought about this. That's very ironic. <laughs> but but it's, it's like, really? Like, and so what they're trying to sell you is there's a, it works, obviously. Yeah. They, they make, eHarmony makes a lot of money, and it was a differentiator, right? That, mm-hmm. that they, you know, everybody else was just a local classified ad online, you know, for, for a dating site. Put your profile up, talk about your body type and your your athletic or your whatever, you know. Have green eyes and you're into humor and whatever. If you like pina coladas, <laughs> you know, whatever. Are you reading your I don't online dating? No, it's um I can't think of that guy's name, Gary something that the pina colada song. What's that guy's name? Rupert Holmes, The Escape is the name of the song. Mm. I don't think E Harmony's wrong. necessarily. Um, I think you can funnel down to 100 people or 10 or whatever you could somewhat of a match. And these are people that are looking for long-term relationships, uh, you know, I I would assume from the ads, but banks don't do that. I I think they need a match.com and eHarmony.com page that's, hey, if you've been disappointed by your bank in this, this, and this, this is the thing we need. And ultimately, that would 
you know, let's take somebody who maybe had, I wouldn't say bad, uninformed financial decisions as a young person like I did. Hey, maybe you need to turn off your on your debit card. Maybe you need to opt out of the overdraft side mm-hmm. and just if you don't have money, it doesn't work. Right. And do this and this and this. And like, oh, well, this is val- my bank didn't tell me that mm-hmm. and let me overdraft five times, which again, I can hear bankers on the other side saying, where's the personal responsibility? And I agree with that sentiment, but we're still talking about 70% of Americans that cry about their finances. Right. And we have to go bank that 70%, part of that 70% at some point. I mean, They're, that's the majority of that is the, right. the vast majority, right. we could say. Um, we don't always get to bank the 1%. I mean, I'll tell you personally, I mean, I, I, I was a financial wreck, and now I'm a very good bank client. Mm-hmm. I had to figure that out largely on my own. And look, it's nobody's mission to go out and do that or whatever. And Emma has a, a famous internally internal statement, you got to want it. So I guess I wanted it enough to go. I didn't improve myself. I improved my systems. You know, how many people are on the brink of being really good bank clients if they just did this, this, and this. Right. I mean, Dave Ramsey plugs into this, you know, debt-driven society and gives a lot of advice. I agree with some of it, don't agree with some of it. He's taken financial, just the financial literacy side to a, to a large degree, if you break it down to its smallest parts, and has acolytes, you know, of it. Uh, followers, uh, evangelists, since he's, a, you know, more of a spiritual, I guess, um, thing of his system but he doesn't even offer a product. Mm-hmm. That's emotional. Right. He made people feel better and reclaim their, what is it, financial peace, I think is what he says. Why, why wouldn't banks at least lean into that somewhat, I guess? Right. But I do think, you know, this idea of having, you know, a website or, or landing pages that can bring you through a process is, is another opportunity. Just making, at the base, just make an ad that says, hey, so you're thinking about leaving your bank. Mm-hmm where the bank you should go to. That's just kind of baseline better. Mm-hmm. But then having this process and, and treating it like a relationship instead of, here's our checking accounts, uh, compare. I think eHarmony has it figured out more than Match.com. Or, you know, let's say a tender that's about swipe left and right. It's very, dare I say, transactional. It's very surface level. It's I think the general consensus is people have found relationships on Tinder, but it's much more about a date. Right. A short-term engagement than than a long-term relationship. Harmony on the other side has built it around finding a life partner, mm-hmm. and I think finding those matches that are going to lead to a. If you're this, this, and this, maybe you're not a bank for them. Maybe you're not the bank for the person who's overdrafted a couple of times. We talk about second chance banks and put those into a category, but I don't know the statistic. I'm sure we could find it, but how many people have ever have ever overdrafted, and how does that make you feel? And I mean, look, I'll tell you, I've overdrafted. It feels really crappy to buy chicken for your chicken nuggets to cost $36 instead of $6. Right, yeah. It sucks. And, oh, they're going to see that. And I don't even like adm- admitting one overdraft. Um, there, there are plenty of institutions that will fire an employee if they've overdrafted. Overdrafting, I, I'm very much for charging a fee. Just I want to be very clear to our group. I am. Um, it is a short-term loan. It is hard to charge enough interest I consumed the chicken nuggets. I didn't have the money, but I think there should come with it an ability to educate about how that doesn't happen Right. uh, the next time. It's only after you overdraft that they're like, oh, by the way, we have overdraft coverage if you need it. And then 
and then it's too late. But it, I feel like a lot of banking is trial and error, yeah. and some people just get really tired of trial and error, and that's when they switch. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I think there's just I, I think there's room for for emotion and heart in banking, and mm-hmm. and beyond the warm fuzzy relationship people side of truly understanding that it's an emotional decision. One of the things I think of, I have no idea why this jumped in my head, but if you get a ticket, anywhere from, uh, my understanding is from a traffic ticket, you can go to, you can go to driving school and, get that, and have that forgiven in certain states. Mm-hmm. Even to a DUI, I mean, something I would say much more impactful and egregious than a, you know, running a stop sign or whatever, speeding ticket. And you can go through this training and, and, and have that expunged. And I'm sure there are banks or credit unions maybe that have done this, but what, is, is there a, reha- a financial rehab program, right. I guess, for lack of a better word? You know, a lot of times banks will forgive it, but why not put a string, you know, attach that to you have to at least have gone through this course to, um, mm-hmm. again, I'm sure it's out there. But I guess, I mean, this has been stuck on that, but even that, that 1% person, I mean, mm-hmm. that ultra high net worth owns a ton of properties and really values their relationship with their banker because they can call them and get something taken care of because they are so impactful and important to the bank. Well, there's emotion there too. If that person ever leaves mm-hmm. their bank, it's it's probably going to be emotional. Right. Now, it may be a big mistake. I mean, you know, there is a bank recently that made a huge transfer error. I'm sure that was emotional for some people. I mean, it can happen in, in really big amounts as well as small amounts as well. Anyway, I think there's there's a way to capture client. One of the big opportunities, ground level in bank advertising, is make an ad that actually is intended to interact with an emotion, and that emotion would be, I'm looking to leave my bank. I just don't think there's a reason to make an ad for somebody that's not looking to leave their bank. Hey, right. you're perfectly happy with your bank. We're another one. It's interesting because the the rationale and the reason are so intertwined that they kind of become comparable, at least in my mind, because I think about sometimes I want things to be super logical and super laid out for me so that I don't get overwhelmed, and that's where the emotion comes in. And I think specifically of, like, there are certain tax websites you go to file your taxes, and it's as simple as, did you get married this year? And you're like, no, and you move (laughs) on. And um, I think sometimes it needs to be that simple for for regular banking to save you that freak-out moment. Well, I mean, I think it just leads to, I mean, we, we've joked about this, um, you know, 3% cash back versus 3% APY. We have to put that APY in that asterisk from a compliance standpoint. And obviously it's important, but but do we ever actually explain what what APY is? No, we put the compliance block on it. And there are other reasons. I mean, this this industry is fraught with we when choosing a checking account, we cannot guide in the physical. If we're at a branch level, we cannot guide a consumer to one checking account over another. They have to be equally presented. But I think being able to communicate the the value of each account is on its merits is still important. Understanding the factors beyond a compliance standpoint of why you who might be interested in this mm-hmm. if you do these things and some and some banks do this better than others um and do very well if you have a lot of transactions and yada 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 this would be the better one versus you know the if you hold a high balance this one would be better so but we don't know i mean I, we aren't born mm-hmm. knowing the difference and having to sit down and 
okay, uh, I mean, this is my checking account. I mean, this is where I'm going to hold my money. I've got to make a good decision. I don't feel very qualified to do this. And I'm upset at my bank. And is this one the same as the one I just left? And Yeah, I think it's, that's why it's a good, you know, practice to kind of mix up the the messaging, I don't know, and the copy. So like if you are comparing accounts, having a, a statement in there that's like, this is for people who, mm-hmm. you know, this, this or that, and then have a few of the features underneath. So sort of like mixing that, who is this for and who would this benefit um, with the features of the accounts. I mean, that leading statement is so important because it's like there's so many reasons somebody could choose to leave their current bank and if you're being presented with an ad that says is this why you're leaving your current bank then you're obviously going to be like 10 times more likely to transfer to that bank yeah it's worth committing to something right that and again i joked about the physicality of of online dating ads of like if you're this this and this and this and this but i mean there is giving criteria to the person who is searching for that banking relationship. Mm-hmm. If you're not into yoga, if you have half a brain, I'm quoting Rupert Holmes here. Oh, that that's me. I, this is the thing that would interest me um, instead of just presenting it factually, I think is, um, is a level up opportunity. And I think one of the bigger ones as far as a qualitative improvement to ads, if you, when you sit down to make an ad, understanding that, and, and this is a thing that we miss so often. It's an exercise I have us do internally where we, I mean, I encourage our people to meditate around this. Put yourself into that position. You're, you have a digital ad, okay? You're sitting there reading an article. What's your, you know, what do you want to read? I'm, I'm on, you know, ESPN.com or people.com reading celebrity gossip or whatever. And there's an ad that interrupts you What about banking. What is in that ad? What would interrupt you in that moment? And, and one of the dangers, and this is why it has to be this higher meditative state, is thinking of yourself like the consumer. You have to get past that. But what's going to make that person stop? Well, this person's actually looking for a new bank. We're going to reach out to this person that's actually the part of the 2% that's going to move. Well, what's going to make them, why are they moving? Because they're disappointed. Okay, well, why are they disappointed? And just continue to ask yourself these questions. Well, what does our bank do conversely or in contrast to that disappointment? How could we fulfill what they've missed? When you run through that and you think through that ad in that way, I wouldn't be surprised if your ads are much better. You've been listening to the Bank Marketing Blogcast, brought to you by Mabus Agency. Check us out online at mabusagency.com.